You're listening to Wastoids. Night Flight has always been a rite of passage, a trip of entertainment discovery old and new, an eye-opening taste of counterculture smoked with timeless jewels of artistic buds. Now, we can finally get closer to that original cable TV experience we've all been missing with Night Flight Plus, an all-access membership to original episodes of Night Flight, as well as a library of hundreds of music documentaries, concert movies, sci-fi and horror cult films, public access rarities, and more weird stuff. Right now, Wastoids listeners can get $10 off an annual membership. That means access to Night Flight's library for only $29.99 a year. Head to www.nightflightplus.com backslash promo code and enter Wastoids in all caps. That's W-A-S-T-O-I-D-S in all caps. Enter promo code Wastoids at nightflightplus.com backslash promo code and get back in the days. Welcome to episode three of the special podness with Pat Wilson, Adam Willard, and Carl Cook on Wastoids. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. We're celebrating the first ever vinyl release of the special goodness's 2004 album, Land, Air, Sea, which is available now at thespecialgoodness.com on high quality red colored wax from Hello Records in partnership with Epitaph Records. It features all new remastered artwork and it's limited to only 1,000 copies. I'm looking at my edition right now, and I want to read to you from the liner notes that Pat sent over to Hello Records HQ for inclusion in this new 2022 edition. All right, here we go. I think the Malibu was happiest with that eBay 355 short block and the Edelbrock Performer RPM heads along with the TH350. It would wind to 7K all day long, and I remember many full-throttle rides with Adam deep in the Northeast Valley. Once I replaced it with the 406 and 5-seed Tremach, it was never the same and was constantly breaking down. Also, the 17s were okay, but I missed that fat tire look of a 60-series tire on a 15-inch wheel. Adam's truck had the right look. I think I'm going back to a milder classic car for the long term, Modern cars are all plastic and talking to some server somewhere, and that just feels lame. Not rock and roll, and dare I say it, un-American. Those are the words direct from Pat. Maybe you're a gearhead, or maybe you're not, but Pat and Adam most definitely are. From the cover of Land, Air, Sea to the bitchin' new shirt we've got for sale over at thespecialgoodness.com, cars play heavy into the special goodness mythology. So for this episode, we're focusing on the open road, Four on the floor discussing tours and the duo's favorite obsession, vintage automobiles. Okay, let's get into it. So, 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 Pat, I'm 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 remembering back, and it's the summer of 1999, and you had finally kind of put together this 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 band to to uh, play your music, and I think you did a couple shows uh, in Portland and Seattle, and then somehow uh, through a booking agent that I don't even know how you met 
you had a tour set up in the fall of 99. And the next thing I remember is you had to drive the green van, the awesome green Chevy van across the country to Boston to pick up Mikey and come back to Buffalo to get the drummer Lee and me, the quote, tour manager, end quote. Um, <laughs> and uh, from there, we started playing all sorts of Northeast and Midwest and shows. And I think we ended up in out, out on the West Coast at some point, but I don't remember which part of the tour that was. Uh, what do you What do you remember about all that? I'm okay. So I I'm like we need a van. So I went out and I bought a van that was in uh, coastal north northwest Oregon. It was this little shorty Chevy van, like a Scooby Doo van, and it didn't have any rust and its suspension was good and it drove well and. After driving it around, I realized you couldn't rev it past 3,500 without black smoke pouring out of it because it had, it had burned a cylinder. But otherwise, it, you could just cruise it around whenever you wanted. So I'm like, oh, I'll know what I'll do. I'll take the motor out of the Chevelle and I'll put it in the van in my driveway in Portland. And neighbor down the street was a, such a character, like total alcoholic getting just they were all going to get thrown out of their house but he had an engine picker and like he rolled it down the street we took off the front of the van like it was a a real production and then i drove that across the country to go like you said go get mikey in boston when i I put so i put the motor in the van and i'm like all right i gotta go so i drove it it took me two and a half days i think to get to buffalo which is pretty good time those are like 10, 12 hour days, actually even more like 14 hour days. And, uh, come to find out I was only running on seven cylinders, but old, old Betsy really came through for me that day. But, uh, it was, it was weird to be by yourself and like stop in Rollins, Wyoming, or, you know, some rando spot outside or driving through, uh, Chicago at rush hour. I mean, the whole thing was surreal, just surreal. (laughs) <laughs> did you, I mean, did you like give the motor love or what? Did it just like continue to it, limp? It ran along? great. It was just like one of, uh, for some reason, I don't know, like I think maybe one of the spark plug wires was off, but I, when we got there, we just, it was fine. Oh, okay. I think my brother was like, sounds like it's missing. And so we popped the thing and it's like, oh, and we're good to go. All the built up fuel in that cylinder is just bad. <laughs> it ran pretty good though that that thing got us up and down all the hills man that was a good that was a good van it was a great van it was a great van somehow it fit all the gear even though the back wasn't big oh my god it was so tiny well all i had was that yeah. combo that's right that's right and you had a pretty small drum kit that combo all i had was that combo <laughs> I had a combo. <laughs> were you playing the tone king then i think so I yeah, so. I was playing combos all through that. I didn't start playing a half stack until Weezer in like 2010. I don't think. But like, we played, remember King. when we played with Audio Slave and all that shit? Like, I was still playing that little combo. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you had a couple mm-hmm. of them. You would do two. Yeah, I think I had a Comet and a Imperial Tone King. That's right. That's right. Because there was the, stepped it up. The Surf Blue two combos. One. Yeah, I still have right. that. Oh no, I don't have that anymore. When one combo isn't enough, you get to two combos. <laughs> Pizza combos. That's flavor. <laughs> well, 
when I came back, the band <laughs> needed a, a paint job. And that's one of Lee's friends. It was a super interesting character. who was like basically living off the grid, off of, you know, chickens and shit. He was, he's a very skilled uh, painter. And he's like, I'll paint your van. I'm like, come on. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. And so he, he spent like a week doing it for real though. Like, I painted a van in the middle of nowhere in Western New York. And then there was a big party. Mikey got in trouble <laughs> for drinking too much wine. And then we went on tour. <laughs> I, I what a remember, great story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you guys actually played a couple times at this, at this abandoned bar that Lee's uncle owned oh, yeah, in yeah. Buffalo. Yeah, and I remember I remember being there for that. Uh, and it was kind of like we're getting all the gear together, and we're getting it, figuring out how it's going to fit in the van, and like kind of doing those final steps before you actually say, "Okay, we're going to go." And then we went, and I remember one of the first shows. I don't remember which of the first show was, but one of the first shows was down in New Jersey at like R- maybe Rutgers University or something. Oh like yeah, that. they they were like they were going to pay us like fifteen hundred bucks or some shit, which at the time was like unbelievable. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of things like that in that tour where the payouts were like crazy and we were just laughing because like they, nobody, nobody in the audience or the, anywhere had any idea what it was. Nah. And it was like, so why, like, but it was like the, the, whoever that guy was that you'd found to book the tour somehow knew that you had to go to like these college planners who had all kinds of cash and no idea what to do with it. And then it's like book shows. And so, uh, I remember the first show, the, the audio, the sound was horrible because there was just some <clears throat> real catastrophe behind the mixing board. Like, just didn't know what they were doing at all. Yeah. And you got really was, upset at one point. Nightmare. You wanted to walk, you wanted to walk off at one point. And it was like, no, no, we got to finish the show. It's just, it's just, it just sounds so bad. Yeah. But the kids didn't care. There was like a lot of kids there. It was like college. They were like, we don't care. And I remember I was I, profoundly embarrassed. Yeah, it was it was a bummer because you felt that way, but I don't think the audience even realized that there was a problem. Right, but, it, right. but I could tell. I knew what you were, I knew what it was supposed to sound like. I was like, yeah, this does sound kind of weird. This mixer guy does not know what he's doing. But uh, but most of the shows were better than that. And I remember uh, there was a couple really cool shows. Like there was one in in, Ohio, in Cleveland, I think, that was at this weird like it was almost like an, an X like diner that they'd converted into like a, a club and. Uh, like it was just like packed with kids. Like you could tell it was a total scene that they just did like, you know, all DIY bands came there all the time and everybody was just into it. And that was just the, that was just like what, you know, what, what was going on. And, uh, then later down South, we played a show opening for Wesley Willis. <laughs> <laughs> opening, opening, for opening, for, yeah, yeah, opening, for, <laughs> opening for Wesley Willis. And that was surreal because he had, he, he was, and as anybody who knows the story of him, he was so such a strange and hilarious person, and vaguely dangerous feeling to be around him. And he always wanted to headbutt you, and just a weird vibe. But the shows were like it was like a thousand kids there. It was like you know, it was like a big deal. Yeah, and I think art, that, that was, was that was, was like his maybe one of his last tours and shit. Like he had those two yeah. dudes, young kids who were kind of like the tax slash tour yeah. manager. And there was a band that toured with them that kind of did their kind of is his band sort of in a way. Enon. Oh yeah. Enon is cool actually. Yeah. They were kind of somehow like they just kind of Go knew him on. or played. So, yeah. I don't know what it was. Um, 
But uh, yeah, that was out in Arkansas. Like, can you imagine Wesley Wills playing Arkansas Fayette, and like, getting like eight hundred and getting like eight hundred kit eight hundred kids to show up? I was I was totally. astounded that that totally. anybody was there. It was like this is incredible. There's a lot of I weird played some like of that, that for tour. my for my kids. Like he's like taste the camel's shitty ass. Like, <laughs> And that was the hook. Yeah, that was that's the song. Like you press go, and then it's that. Fantastic. God, it was weird. I, I remember. Uh, I remember in New York, we played. You played brownies. Yeah, so was it brownies? I think I was profoundly is... embarrassed at that show too. And then after the show, Mikey M- Mikey went on this on this know. tear outside the club. Mikey was really feeling feeling his 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 his, his whatever his feels that night. I remember at one point he was dancing on the roof of the van under a streetlight, <laughs> singing at the top of his lungs in really good pitch, uh, Kiss by Prince to the whole street. <laughs> Do you ever remember that? No, I don't remember like, that, but like, I remember. You don't have to talk it, baby. And he's just up there like dancing on the roof of the van. And, and the, the people were like watching, like, wow, this is cool. This is, you know, this is what happens in New well, York. Well, listen, it, it's Prince's best work, in my opinion. It's a, yeah. We'll be right back to the special podcast after a brief word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Jason from Wastoids. Have you ever gone to the record store and picked up a record and got it home, put it on your turntable, only to find that it's all hissy and it's got pops and there's smudges all over it? It's a real drag. That's the thing about vinyl. It sounds its best when you're working with a clean record. And that is why I dig Groove Washer. Their products are designed and made in Kansas City, Missouri, right here in the U.S., by people who are as passionate about music and vinyl as you are. Groove Washer offers everything you need to ensure your records sound their best, with cleaning fluids for every available cleaning method, be it manual, vacuum, or ultrasonic if you want to go real in on it. We've got a special deal for Wastoids listeners, too. Head over to www.groovewasher.com and enter the discount code WASTOIDS10 to get 10% off your record cleaning supplies. That's WASTOIDS10 in all caps. Enter that at checkout at groovewasher.com and get 10% off everything you need to keep your vinyl clean and pristine. Thanks, Groovewasher. And we're back with the special podness. As we continue our click and clack style car talk episode, here's Carl as he revs Adam and Pat up in their discussion of their vintage car fixation. So both you guys, I got to say, both you guys uh, are kind of into vehicles, I noticed a little bit, <laughs> especially vintage ones that are kind of fast and loud and cool looking. And... Uh, it's kind of awesome that you guys like connected and, and uh, shared that because I don't know if there's too, I mean, there's a lot of car guys out there, but there's not too many car guys out there that are both like cool people like you that can actually hang. So I'm just curious, uh, you know what I mean? Like there's some car guys out there that you probably don't want to hang out with, but you guys are not those, those ones. You're the cool, you're the cool ones. So how did you guys individually kind of get into it? I don't know how like the, like the, I mean, I didn't grow up with like around fast cars. My parents didn't have hot rods or anything. Um, my dad, although this is interesting, my dad drove a hearse in uh, college. Like that was his car. And he like picked my mom up on the, their first date, like in a hearse. <laughs> nice. And it, I guess it worked. I guess there's lots of room in the back. So actually he's a genius. Whoa, steady. <laughs> 
That is genius. <laughs> I was born in the backseat of a giant hearse. Everybody hearse. Ooh. So <laughs> San Diego, like, Rocket was like, we were all into, like, hot rods and stuff, but we just couldn't afford anything, you know? But, like, the car culture was sort of bred into or part of the music. Yeah, that was a scene. Like, uh, I don't know how big it was in, in San Diego, but, like, L.A., was it, it, was, it was very, like, the whole rockabilly thing was, like, a real thing. Yeah. So we were, we were like, loosely connected, even though we weren't rockabilly at all. But it was a... Uh, you, you had a classic vibe. I'll though. take that. Like, no, there was nothing hippie-ish about Rocket. No hippies. <laughs> it was way too much hair grease that came from a can, not from dreads. Uh, but yeah, so like I got my first Chevy. I had a Bel Air. I had a 63 Bel Air and like was working on that forever, you know, with no money, like trying to make that thing be cool. And then uh, I came across the truck. <clears throat> and I sold, because I also had like a little Toyota pickup truck in the Bel Air, so I sold both those things to be able to get the tr the, the Chevy truck. And then, I don't, th was it, I don't think I had painted it green yet when I met you. No, I it didn't. No, it was black. It was black with the flames. And then, but yeah, it was like all motor work. It had like solid lifter cam and like it was pretty built like for being kind of shitty looking on the outside. Yeah, it was cool. And it sat right, too. It sat right. It, 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 it wasn't very fast. It was loud, though. Yes. Sounded, sounded fast, which is, you know, super important. Pro probably around that same time, I, I don't know, I, in 95, I think I bought the Malibu. Where and, did you uh, buy that? I bought, it from, I bought it from this couple in Lakewood. They were a little bit older, and she strangely had an entire living room filled with vintage Barbie dolls, which is, and she wanted, she wanted very much to show them to me. And I was like, <laughs> wow, it's fascinating. Like, okay. And then $3,500 later, I drove that car home and it was smoking on the freeway. And I thought I was going to get in trouble. I thought the LAPD was going to like pull me over. They don't pull anybody over anymore. I don't think. So, yeah, and then, you know, endless uh, obsession over uh, small details of how to build your car. You know, I don't know. It's like a psychosis. Pat, back before you went to L.A., did you fetishize that kind of car culture based on, like, your older brothers or anything like that? I, yeah, I mean, growing up around a bunch of dirt bags, like, that was, you know, like, dude. <laughs> It's very like that's a three ninety six like you know it's such a trashy culture that i that I grew up in, but like I'm of it, so i I feel like I can say that, and uh now those cars are like you couldn't you couldn't give them away back in the day now they're like you can't even get one because they're so expensive, it's crazy, yeah, getting into anything these days is. Even to even a, a clapped out anything, if it's the right body style, like a two door hard top, whatever. It's minimum twenty five, thirty grand. Yeah. So those. So your uh, your cars that you just been speaking of, guys, featured in the video that uh, we made out in the park in the valley, um, in that wonderful location that Adam scouted. 
said, guys, I got the perfect spot for this video. And he was right because <laughs> there was nobody the back, there. It was, there was nobody there. It was a giant open space behind us. There's all these baseball fields with no kids at all. The sun was shining beautifully. There was these clouds in the sky. We, we set up a, a, a tripod with my, with my, uh, my, uh, DV cam on it. Um, I put this giant, uh, uh, wide angle lens on the camera and we marked it so we wouldn't, we, I taped it down so it would not move. And then we just started pressing start and stop like a 40 million times as you guys just did all kinds of goofy stuff, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, I think the cars did not move until the end when we decided to do these like drive-bys of the cars. Like, okay, you go forward, I'll go backwards. And then we could burnouts and that's all this stuff. <laughs> it's so, and, uh, it's, it's, it came out so charming. Like, like, oh, these guys like their cars. <laughs> <laughs> It's oh, it look, really the hood's is open. like now it's closed. <laughs> yeah, like articulating, like opening, clo- then they're like kind of bouncing. <laughs> yeah, you guys had to like go in the back corners of the cars and like and push on the bumpers and try to hide. Well, it was it was the most like innocent high school video project. Totally, like, it really was. It really was good burnout. I had a good burnout at the end. Oh, oh, that was good the burnout. peak of that car, by the way. That was like. I should have stopped right there because anything that happened after that was for the worst. That thing was reliable. You could beat on it. Like you could drive it anywhere. It didn't care. Like it was rad. Did you have the truck arm done at that point? I think so. Yeah. Because that did make a big difference when you did that. It would hook up like crazy. Yeah. And it was easy to slide around. It was cool. Uh, And... I look back and I'm a little amazed when I think about it. It was 2003 and I'm chopping that together on, I think pirated Sony Vegas software (laughs) and then like outputting it. And it's like, okay, here's our, here's a video. Like, how is this even like, I did that for the photograph too. It's like, how is this even possible that this could ever play on a TV screen (laughs) when we did it this way? Like, it seems so, so not legitimate. <laughs> like how is it was like I'm like okay, cut, oh cut this in here, yeah, chop it again there. Oh yeah, paste it there. Okay, oh drag it over. Look at that, it fades. That's cool. You know, like like how is this? How is this create like a thing that people will watch? And it did. Well, that was sort of the beginning of that of the digital, you know, everyman era where there's these tools were out there, uh, and people started to use them like that, like you know, normal yeah. people. Yeah. Abnormal people, too. All right, that's going to bring this episode to a close. Do you want to check out that video that they were just discussing for yourself? You can do so by heading over to thespecialgoodness.com, where you'll find everything SG-related, including our new shirt and your copy of Land, Air, Sea, finally on vinyl. You can also find more from us over at wastoids.com, audio and video made in partnership with Hello Merch. We'll be back next week with our final episode, for now at least. In it, Pat talks about his musical influences, and we discuss the arrival of Land, Air, Sea in 2004. The special podness is written and produced by me, Jason Woodbury, and our executive producer is Sam Means, who also creates the visuals for the show. Gems and George Santa Cruz assist with production as well. This is a Wastoids production. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back next week with more from the special goodness.